stuff, but I also say thank you, and I say please, and I smile, and I hold the doors open for people, not always, but sometimes. And even though I still feel bad sometimes, I also kind of feel good. It's sort of a mix. All I can do is keep trying and keep thinking, maybe I'm not such a bad seed after all. Hey, look, there goes that bad seed. Actually, it's not all that bad anymore. I heard that. <laughs> <laughs> That is Laura's autobiography right there, I'm telling you. And she reads it so well. There's just something about a story that we love. Oh, the power of a good story. More about the bad seed before the message is over. See, it's no wonder stories are so powerful. It's no wonder then that Jesus used them frequently. He boiled down profound heavenly wisdom and put them into simple earthly stories. And so this evening, I want to share a story from Jesus about inviting people from your street and from everywhere to the kingdom party, to this thing called the church. This thing that we've been talking about for the last few weeks, why are we for our street? Because kingdom's a party. It's a feast, not a fast. It's a feast. And we ought to be inviting everyone to come to it. Let me read to you Luke 14. There's something here for everyone good seed or bad seed. Luke 14, verse 12. Then Jesus said to his host, he was eating with someone, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite, it sounds like the beginning of a a story. Do not just invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives, or your rich neighbors, just those that you already know, those that that are kind to you and so you can be kind to them. If you do, they may invite you back and you'll be repaid. But when you give a banquet, when you give a party, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind. And last week we talked about tax collectors and sinners. Bad seeds need to be invited sometimes. And you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you'll be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. And Jesus replied, surprisingly, with a story. A certain man was preparing a great banquet. I'm sure when he started that, people leaned in and invited many guests. It's all about investing and inviting people. At that time of the banquet, he sent sent to his servant to tell those who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all began to make excuses. When you go about inviting people from your street, from your cubicle, from your company, from your, uh, your classroom, from your businesses, from your co- corporation, where, wherever you're inviting from, you're going to hear a lot of excuses about why they may not come to church, and why they may not come to Jesus. They all began to make excuses. The first one says, Jesus said, I've just bought a field and I must go see it. Please excuse me. This is like saying, you know what? I bought a, a new house a field. I don't know what it looks like, so I'm just going to have to go and see it. How many of you buy something sight unseen of that nature? Now, Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen. I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. This is like saying, I just bought a new car. I haven't seen it yet, so I think I'll go test drive it. Now, Still another said, now this is a pretty good excuse. I just got married, so I can't come. I mean, that's a pretty good one. I'm going on my honeymoon. This is a family excuse. By the way, here's what I've noticed. You and I talking, insiders. The family excuse trumps church all the time. I got, if people don't want to do something with church, they want to come to church, they want to do some event, they say, oh, I got a family thing. And what are you going to say? So we use that a lot. 
The servant came back and reported this to his master. All these people making excuses. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servants, go out quickly into the streets, because we're for our streets, and, and go into not only the streets, but the alleys of the town, the cul-de-sacs, the back roads. Bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you have ordered has been done, that there is still room. I love that. Jesus loves to take empty stuff and fill it up. As we empty ourselves, he fills us with more of him. As we empty our wallet, he refills it. As we empty out ourselves through giving and serving, he, he always supplies more. And it's true in church too. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads. Notice go is an imperative word we've seen time and time again this month. Go into all the world. Go. You can't stay. Go. Go out to the roads and country lanes of Indiana. No, that one to say. It does say country lanes. But go out there and compel them to come in. That word compel is a strong word, but you got to urge them. You got to be passionate about it. So that my house may be what? Full. Jesus likes a full house. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Now, why is Jesus telling this story? Why am I using this story? Well, it's a story, and it goes with our idea that everybody likes a good story. But this story is even better because it syncs to our learning about 3D living for our streets. Last week was develop friendships. That's the first D. Tonight, this weekend, is discover stories. This, if you want to be for your street, if you want to be outward focused, if you want to be salt and light, we have to be the ones going out issuing the invitation going and compelling people to come in. We got to go develop friendships. And tonight, I want to encourage you, wherever you go, wherever you hang out, wherever you play, wherever you work, wherever you eat, go and discover people's stories. Every person today not only likes a good story, let me tell you something else. Secondly, every person here today has a story. Everybody has a story. We'll say around here quite a bit, every number has a name, every name has a story, every story matters to God. If we had time, we could just kind of circulate around in here and find out your story. And what's really cool, even if it's your first time tonight or first time on Sunday or first time watching online, what's really cool and powerful is to realize that your story does not stand on its own. Your story is part of a greater redemptive story of God. There's a lower story on earth where we live, and then there's an upper story that the Heavenly Father is weaving, weaving from day one. You may have started out as the bad seed, but by the time your story is over, you'll be a good seed, even though you have some bad seed tendencies. Every one of you is in a chapter of your story. It's not the last chapter. If you're going bad, your chapter is not too good. It's not the final story. It's just a chapter in God's greater story. He's weaving it. For your good. And one of my main jobs and joys around here as your pastor is just to ask about and listen to people's stories. I'm fascinated by it. I'll often say, first time I talk to somebody, hey, I'm a member of your church, which is kind of cool because I don't know everybody anymore. I don't know if you know this. You probably don't know everybody anymore either. And so they don't assume I know. So I'll say, tell me your name. What's your story? So if you want to be for your streets, simply start asking about and learning about people's stories. And then after a while, they'll probably ask you, invite you to tell your story. 
Every person here likes a story. Every person here has a story. And most people love to tell their story. And just a prompt will often do it. In fact, we live in a world where people are so busy talking, they don't have time to listen to someone else's story. Now, I do this all the time. So some things I use to prompt people to start telling their story, I use a statement, something like this. Are you from Cincinnati? Because with my accent, when I first moved here, people say, you're not from around here, are you? No. How did you know? I know you're from the South. So I say, are you from Cincinnati? And chances are they say, yeah. And if they live on the West side, it's a big yes. I say, do you grow up here? And then here's what, what high school did you go to? Am I wrong about that? I mean, that is what everybody, what, they're defined by that. So I want to give you a second. We've been doing this this month just to kind of chat with your neighbors in your seating neighborhood here. I want you to just stand up just for a second. We don't have a minute. I want you to stand up, tell the person around you what high school you attended and a great memory, just one. Now it's, it's church now, okay? Some great memory you could tell. Okay, stand up. I'll give you just a second. What high school are you from? Tell us a good memory. All right, I know I'm cutting you off so early. Finish your sentence, have a seat. I know you're proud of your high school. I know you got some stories. Hey, listen, after the service is over, you don't have to rush off. You can continue the conversation. So we do have to cut out the lights about 10, okay? But anyway, man, this is how a big church feels smaller here. But people love to tell their story. That's, I, just show, I just proved it to you. So bring up the right subject about their story, and you'll find it's amazing what people will tell you. Ask them about work. Ask them where, about the weather. If it's, that's a really safe one. In Cincinnati, you can get a real response to weather. Talk about sports, how the Reds were doing so good, and now they stink to high heaven. Talk about what school you go to, what kind of food you like, what kind of family environment you came from. Notice on this list, I left out anything relative to politics. Please don't talk about that. But just asking people, hey, what's your story? Now, notice the first question is not, do you know Jesus? Or do you know you're going to hell? Okay, that's probably not a good way to start. I wouldn't even tell them you're a Christ follower yet. By your actions, they may already surmise at work or school, something different about that person but they, you've never told them your story yet. But eventually you'll get a chance to share your story too. And when you do, I'm gonna give you some helpful hints. 
when you do share your story. And I'm going to give you an opportunity to do some homework on this. Number one, don't make it too weird. You know what I'm saying? There's some weird Christians out here. None of them are here tonight, I'm confident. A couple years ago, this guy came up right before Sunday morning service. He said to me, hey, God sent me here. He told me I'm preaching today. I never even met this dude. I said, I'm pretty sure that's not the case. He said, no, no, I, I, I'm here to preach. And I already worked hard on my sermon. He wasn't getting up here. but I, uh, <laughs> So I kind of, I've learned with people who say, God told me I, I could play the same game. I said, well, when God tells me you can do it, I'll let you know. And he ain't telling me today, sit down. Security, <laughs> don't make it weird. Number two, keep it simple. Here's something that happened to me. I'll get into that in a second. Just keep it simple. Use language they understand. So avoid religionese, I call it, or superiority. Don't assume they know everything about the Bible. I love that when Tristan uh, shared the story of the song about being in the fire, a lot of people who will come tonight or this weekend, they don't even know about that Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. They'd never heard of that. I'm so glad he explained it. That's why we do that. Don't assume anybody knows anything. I heard about a woman in a small group in her church, and her birthday was coming up, and the people in the small group decided they would surprise her with a cake and put her favorite Bible verse on top of the cake. Her favorite Bible verse was 1 John 4.18, which says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. She loved that verse because for a long part of her life, her story was she had made some bad decisions. That verse reminded her that love is without fear. Well, they found a baker to make and bake the cake, and they told him to print the text of that verse on the cake. But the baker didn't know the Bible very well, so he printed John 4.18, not 1 John 4.18, John 4.18, which reads this. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you have now is not your husband. Don't assume everybody knows the Bible when you tell your story. Next, and all preachers could learn from this, don't be long-winded. Some of y'all already like, okay, uh, don't be long-winded. Learn to develop this elevator speech for God kind of thing. Three, four minutes max. And basically, here's the story you're going to craft. B.C., before Christ, here's what my life was like. How I met Christ. And then A.C., after Christ, here's what my life is like. Not A.C.D.C. That's a, maybe a part of your story. B.C., how I met Christ after Christ. It's very simple. It's like that guy in John 9 who got healed. I once was blind, and now I see. So let me show you an example of this from a guy that's in my small group, Matt Monroe. And uh, let me show you. It's just like a minute. Check this out. I was born and raised in the church. I was part of the Royal Rangers as a little kid, almost like um, Boy Scouts, but Royal Rangers for, for God's army. And... Uh, we attended two to three times a week in Montgomery. And um, highly active. My dad was part of the power lifting team. It was great how, how involved we were. And when I became a teenager, my parents divorced. And so I quit going to church on the regular so much. Um, I lost my mom when I was 20, just turned 21. And um, I was pretty fired up about that in negative ways. It impacted me. 
And so I distanced myself from church. And I was bitter uh, because my mom had so much deep faith and was a beautiful, wonderful Christian. Um, the perfect model of a Christian, she really was. And then um, met my wife, Brittany, and her family and um, really connected back to the community and to the church and accepted God back in my faith um, where I'm a believer again and I'm not so bitter and my heart is warm and not so cold and, and life is fantastic. And he is in my life every day and he blesses us every day in small ways. And to be connected with David, our small group, the church, my wife, of course, the family and have to all that support, it's just been, it's been unbelievable. We're so blessed, I'm so, so blessed to be back on the right path. And that's why I love my church. Isn't that good? So here's your homework. It doesn't have to be complicated for it. Here's your homework. Write up your story and then send it to me in a hundred words or less. Write up your story and I'm gonna invite, I'm gonna give you my email address. And this is a dangerous thing. Remember, there's lots of nutty people out here, I know. I'm gonna take a relational risk. Write up your story, no more than a hundred words. Here's my email, dvonwhitewatercrossing.org. I want you to send it to me. Now here's how I know if it's 100 words or less or just you know three minutes. When I get it, if I take the mouse that's on my desk and I have to go like this with the roller once, twice, three, if I get to four and there's still words, it's too much. I probably won't get there. I've already gone to sleep, okay? Somebody who doesn't know Jesus, they definitely might've gone to sleep. So succinct, it'll be great exercise for you, even if you never send it to me. It doesn't have to be perfect. doesn't have to be doctored up. It can actually be raw. Don't whitewash the pain or the struggle. Usually when people tell their story, it's a person like Matt talked about an event, a hurt that God used to move us forward. It might be embarrassing. It might be traumatic. And you find out after a while when you're looking at your story that you wouldn't be where you are here without what happened there. In fact, God couldn't get you here till he brought you through there. Oh, that's a whole nother sermon, okay? But don't be long-winded, but I encourage you, write down your story and send it to me. We may use it sometime, but beyond that, it'll help you as you talk to people and share your story of your faith. The other thing you do is basically earn the right to tell your story. More about this next week, but if you start serving and loving your neighborhood, if you are known if you develop a reputation, and you may even have a reputation for being a bad seed, that's all right. That will be the platform from which God tells his story through your story. In fact, let me show you this, how Paul did it. This is how Paul told it. This is how Paul did it over in uh, Acts chapter 9. And basically, let me summarize the guy's, Paul's story. He, he used to be a guy named Saul. He was persecuting and killing Christians. He thought he was doing the right thing. He was a bad seed, I'm just telling you. He was on the, his way to a city to do this even more. And while he was riding on his horse to the city to kill more Christians, a light suddenly appeared from heaven, he said, knocked him off his high horse, literally and figuratively. He had a lot of pride. And a voice said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? He says, I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and I'll tell you what to do. And that light blinded him, and he was blind for three days. Now, here's where we pick up the story, verse 10. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. 
The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias, like I have a mission for you. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord said, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street. See, he had to be for his street. I'm on Straight Street. Ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. Uh, Saul, Lord, <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you how I would feel if I were Ananias. This is not in the Bible. It's in the Dave Vaughn version of the Bible. You got to be joking, God. Saul, the guy that's killing all the people. Yeah, I've heard about that guy. I ain't going over there. Not that street. Mm-hmm, that street. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he's done to your holy people in Jerusalem. He's come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. <laughs> it's like God doesn't know this. <laughs> He's like telling God, have you ever done that? Hey, God, I don't know if you know this, but this is going on. That person that like you're asking me to talk to, uh-uh. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. Here's that interesting word again, isn't it? Go, go and be, go and do, go and serve. This man is my chosen instrument. There's more to his story that's coming. To proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. See, part of your story is your suffering. In fact, God never uses anybody greatly till he hurts them deeply. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it, placing his hands on Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I love the end of this story. Immediately something like scales, scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. It wasn't just physical blindness. Saul couldn't see out of his own way spiritually either. Something like scales fell, he could see again. He got up and he was what? Baptized. He went all in. Just like we're seeing people do that, we've had a revival of baptisms these days. God is up to something here. I, I, I haven't figured it out yet. Some of you in this room, some of you watching, some of you coming Sunday, you're going to be baptized real soon, just like Saul was. That's the first step whenever you find Jesus. Get immersed, get baptized, get dunked. And after taking some food, he regained his strength. Mm. What a story. Everybody likes to hear a story. Everybody has a story. You got a story. I want you to unleash your story on people on your street. And be bold about it. Practice it. A hundred words or less. Sometimes you may not even have that. Arnold Palmer was a golfing legend. Some of y'all who are golfers know Arnold Palmer. He's known as the king of golf. He had his own army of fans. One day in Lexington, Kentucky, 35 years ago, Arnold was playing in a golf tournament where I was ministering in Lexington. And I managed to talk my way. I went to the tournament to watch it. And I managed to talk my way into the parking lot closest to the course where the pros parked their rental car. I know that surprises you that I could talk my way into that. But I parked there, and I watched the tournament on a Saturday for a few hours. I was walking back by my car, and lo and behold, guess who was walking to their rental car with their caddy the same time I got to my car? Guess whose rental car, a Cadillac, was parked by my little Dodge Omni? One Arnold Palmer. Oh, I was so nervous because I didn't know what I was going to say, but I knew I had to say something. This would be like my one and only opportunity to talk to Arnold Arnie. And I asked him, first of all, if he'd sign the hat, my advisor for my dad, because my dad loved Arnold Palmer. It was a Saturday, so I said, I just brought it out. I said, Arnie, my name's David Vaughn. I'm a minister here in town. I, 
I, I know you got a tea time tomorrow, but I want to invite you to the church where I go. It's just a few miles from here. I said, I figure you need the Lord too. He was so gracious. He said, you know, I think I got to tee off about the time your church starts. He said, but I think I need the Lord more than anybody. Fascinating. Then his caddy put his steel metal cleats on the hood of my car, which I did not like. But I decided that I would not. That's back in before the soft spike. Some of y'all remember that. But ever since then, I never hesitated when the Spirit prompted me to say something. And y'all have been doing this a while. You know this. There's just something in you that, that God prompts you. The Spirit says, say something. Just say something. I've even walked away and said, no, no, Lord, that's not right. And then turned around, come back and say something. From that point on, I figure if I ever, I, I should be afraid or nervous to talk about anybody because I talked to Arnold, I could talk to anybody. And I know what some of y'all are thinking. David, I can, I can never do that. I can never do that. Could I just say something to you? Be very careful of saying I'll never when it comes to the things of God. I'll never talk to anybody, David. You'll never, I'll never get up in that baptistry. You'll never get me dunked. About a year later, I can't tell you how many times I've been in the water where somebody said, I'll never do that. I'll never come to church. Some of y'all here tonight shocked everybody. You're here. Some of you are watching online. You say, I'll just watch online. I'll never come to the building. I never say never. In fact, some of y'all who say I've never been baptized, it's just a matter of time. You're going to get baptized, and you're going to be the one baptizing somebody before it's over. I'll never give. I'll never serve. I'll never work on a church staff. I'll never go on a missions trip. <laughs> God just kind of smiles at that stuff. He's looking up because he knows your story before you do. Be open to God's story in your life. Everybody here likes a story. Everybody here has a story to tell. Everybody here is a part of a cosmic redemptive story bigger than you. And here's the story. I want to remind you again in simple ways. Jesus came. Jesus died on the cross for your sins. And if you will confess and repent of those sins and be baptized just like Saul the bad seed was, you'll become a new seed, a new creation. And so our job now is to basically go tell it on the mountain. It ain't even Christmas and we're trying that. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. Tell it on your street. And it doesn't have to be complicated. In fact, it can be quite energizing when you finally figure out all the ways God worked in the past to get you to the present because of your story. So I want to close with this story from one of our guys named Jeff. Check this out. 